Smith goes for the shot in the back of the net. Keep your eye on goal of the day. That's got to be a contender early on. He takes the right for the shot. Oh my goodness me! And you, would, as a Crawley fan, begin to believe the three points are yours. It's the best night of Crawley Town's lives, and there may be more to come. Hello, welcome to the Straight Red podcast to our FA Cup special. It's going to be a little bit of a different one this time. We're going to be having more of a conversation around the big game and also Crawley season so far. So let's not keep you waiting any longer and dive straight into it. Yes, hello and welcome to the Straight Red podcast and particularly a special and big warm welcome to any new listeners that might have joined us um, over the past few days since the, the big game. Just in case you don't know, we're a Crawley Town FC podcast for fans, by fans, and of course, anyone else who wants to listen as well, giving you a different angle to the content that the club puts out. We'll dissect it and discuss it and generally do our best to reflect the opinions of the fans and town to better intensify your Reds experience. Anyway, that's enough of the sales pitch. Usually that's uh, Ewan's job to do. So we'll dive straight into this podcast where we're going to be discussing the elephant in the room, that cracking FA Cup performance against Leeds. And we'll probably touch upon Crawley's season so far too because so much has happened since we've done our last podcast. But before we do, Ewan, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. It has been a long, long time. How is the third lockdown treating you? Do you know what? I, I've not got too much of an issue with lockdown. First of all, Happy New Year and Merry Christmas. When was, What date was the last podcast? <laughs> I haven't looked. I'm too embarrassed. But um, one thing we were on the last podcast, we're quite sort of um, perfectionists. So I wasn't a big fan of at least my sound quality. We are doing this. 99% of these podcasts are done face to face. But of course, with the situation, we are doing a second consecutive one um, via the Internet. We are always doing the best we can. And um, yeah, lockdown three. I mean, I, I work for a software company. I can work from home. I've got a new baby. Um, I'm spending more time with him than I could ever have dreamed of. So I can't really complain about lockdown personally. Um, yeah, the how's, how's the little one treating that. you? How's that been? He's good. Yeah, he, he is. I can't. Do you know what? He's he's perfect. Um, and I know every parent says this, but I <laughs> think we've got the most perfect little boy um, that's ever been born. He's, he's, he's having a lovely time. smiles a lot. Um, he's watched his first couple of Crawley Tang games on the telly on the lap. Um, only eight months old. He's got no idea what's going on, but uh, got him. Got Have him you brought him a kit yet? No, um, I don't think they're good. Ain't that small? <laughs> I think they do small ones, but not baby grows. Um, but if there was one, I'd get one. But no, having a lovely time. Um, like I said, the only downside is, of course, not being able to get to a game. What was it? One game we were allowed to go to, and then it was all called off again. It's a bit of a nightmare, but uh, the benefit of, of at least being able to watch one I follow, and especially the Leeds game on BBC the other day, um, I still feel like we are as in touch as we possibly can be. So uh, what about what about yourself? Yeah, well, I mean, I know it's the third lockdown for the nation, but um, this is really the first lockdown for me, to be honest, because um, last year uh, spent spent the time still working out in, in Wales. So very much, I mean, I obviously was being sensible, um, but wasn't locked away at home so I feel like uh, there's 
I don't really have a right to complain because everyone's been through this already and perfected their lockdown routines. But I am still kind of muddling and struggling my way through what to do, what not to do, how best to look after yourself in lockdown. Just so people know, you are legally travelling to Wales. You work for the BBC. You're working on a big project. Um, you're not sort of going through cover of darkness. <laughs> no, not, not not at all. We are yeah very much doing it out in the open. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't have to do... Uh, broadcast critical work at the moment so that's why I'm at home so um, yeah we are <laughs> looking after ourselves as well and and like you mentioned earlier too it was uh, I think the Boxing Day game was meant to be my first day back commentating for Crawley because we're part of the commentary team just in case you didn't know at Crawley Town and um, then the lockdown hit and uh, unfortunately the game was behind closed doors so yeah that was really sad to not be able to do that but hopefully I mean I understand that the wider and bigger cause that we're trying to fight here Hopefully, it'll be safe enough for us to return to the ground soon. And um, I just want to say generally, thanks so much for, for everyone for being so understanding and supportive of the podcast, despite us not releasing something since ooh, uh, last year. Um, but in reply to announcing the recording of this podcast, Ewan, Ivan Noel tweeted back saying, about time, you lazy buggers. <laughs> <laughs> he also mentioned Mike Doby. He, um, a musician, oh, right, isn't yeah, he? You, um, yeah. He made a sort of a, what is it called? Um, a a Crawley Town uh, track based upon our last run when we were going to the, the fifth round against United about 10 years it ago. Was, it, was, it, was, it was a cracking song, a very controversial video, <laughs> unfortunately, but it was a very good song. Yeah, a message to all Crawley. Yeah, you remember it well. I remember, uh, I do remember it well, yeah. Well, he's written another one based upon... Uh, the the Leeds game. So, um, Has he really? If you stay till the end of this podcast, we'll give you a little incentive. We'll let Mike Doby play us out with his uh, newly released uh, Crawley Town song. Uh, I do say, personal preference, I think this is better than his uh, his first one. Hey, the first one was good. I remember, I, w- I remember working at, um, I, was, I was working at the club at the time and we were selling singles um, <laughs> at the front of the office. We were genuinely selling singles, yeah. That's enough of making you wait around, though. I feel like we've teased you enough before talking about yeah. football. So stop, stop waffling, Jonathan. Let's bask in the glory. And in case you need reminding, because it's been such a long time since the game happened, have a listen to this. Tottenham had a car crash in 2017. Getting a bit emotional now. Um, yeah, it's been a tough road. Um, that means a lot. Oh, Moments like today, that journey, the goal that he scored, it's obviously just, you know, it's so special to him. And Nichols looks for Nadison with that searing pace. It's two! Leeds are crumbling here. Leeds of the Premier League have conceded two goals in two minutes and a nightmare. I've scored three goals so far this season. My celebrations have been terrible, so I had to pull the new side out there. I don't think it's quite new. He's been brushing the champagne out of his hair. Uh, yes, just said. at me ears, at me <laughs> Yeah, no, the boys enjoyed it. You know, they're in there now. And you've got to enjoy these sort of days, haven't you? You know, we've worked hard enough for it. So let's enjoy it.
Wow. I mean, I think that just brings um, all the emotions back up to the top. Really gives me a sort of spine tingling sensation just listening to that, Ewan. Um, how, how does that make you feel? It was. It was just incredible, isn't it? It's, it is, can't get past the fact that it's utterly gutting that we weren't allowed to be there. Um, but despite that, watching it on the telly, it, it, was, it was gobsmacking, really. It, it wasn't just a win. It was an absolute thumping. It was an absolute lesson um, in football and, and management style. Um, I think the first half, we gave them far too much respect, far too much. Um, and at halftime, not sure what happened. Maybe um, John Yems just said, you do realise they're not very good. And the second half, it was it was like we were the Premier League team. And that, that's not an exaggeration either. Um, complete and utter domination. I know if you look at the stats, they had all the possession. I think it was 73% possession, um, which you always take with a bit of salt. But um, there, there wasn't, I was never nervous. That was the really odd thing. Even at 1-0 up and 2-0 up when they could still come back into it. There was never a point in that game, like you are in other cup games, where you're nervous. Um, I felt so confident that we were so in control of the game. And it wasn't a surprise when we got the third goal either. Um, so to reflect on it all very, very briefly, it was, it was kind of surreal um, how comfortable and confident the players were. Um, unbelievable. We'll go on to the, the fourth and fifth round draws after this. But um, I, 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 rem I, I can't remember where I saw it, but it might have been on a, on a news outlet. But um, they were talking about how confident the team and the manager was behind the scenes. And that absolutely shone through by far the better team on the day. And uh, for the league campaign as well, just on a, on a side note, wow. Um, how exciting is that going to be for the rest of the season as well? Yeah, I think if you are not a football fan or someone who doesn't follow um, sport very closely, watching the game, I don't think you would know that it's a, a League Two side versus a team in England's top flight at all. In fact, you might even, if you were if you were asked to pick, you might even point Crawley Town to be the, the, the higher ranked team. Um, like you say, especially in the second half, that, that difference really kind of showed itself. So let's have a, um, a deeper dive into the match. You and you did a really nice summary there, but let's have a closer look at the goal. So Nick Cerula, first goal for, for, the, for the game, but also his first ever senior goal, opening the scoring after 50 minutes, spinning past uh, Jamie Shackleton of Leeds, bursting into the box and hitting a powerful shot low into the far corner. A dream come true for any player to open the goal scoring in, in in an FA Cup match, especially against a team ranked a lot higher than yourself. But especially for Nick, he's 21 years old. And uh, I don't know if you've heard the stories, but after a car crash in 2017, which left him badly injured, with doctors saying that he may never play again, he was then released by Spurs off the back of that as well. And he's now just come back, scored his first ever professional goal in his seventh match in professional football. Crazy story. Great, great football story. Great FA Cup story. Added to the emotion of the game. Added that extra context as well. And what a goal. What a turn as well. What a beautiful <laughs> turn. In fact, on the BBC at the moment, there is a poll for the goal of the third round. I've just retweeted it, in fact, um, on, our, on our straight red account. And uh, Nick's currently winning that. There's 10 goals in that um, choice. And he's currently winning with about 27%. Um, there the, Let's not deny it, there were some cracking goals in the FA Cup this weekend. But here's just the quality. Took on five defenders and goalie as well. Um, classic goal. That, that, not just the match will go down in FA Cup history for Crawley, 
and it was one of the biggest upsets ever as well by that that sort of goal margin, not just a win, but a fantastic win. That goal, I'm sure, will go down in uh, club folklore as well. Just a, a cracking piece of skill, um, complete solo effort from sort of 35 yards out, I think he started, um, and to knock it in the bottom right-hand corner. Um, and the, the interview afterwards, which was what all the stories were about, or a lot of the stories were about afterwards, that, that sort of interview was shown all over the place. And uh, real genuine sort of heartfelt emotion from Nick. And we sort of, sort of fighting back the tears. And that's when, I think when he signed, we heard about this story, car crash, et cetera, et cetera. But when you sign 20 plays in the space of a couple of months, you don't delve too much into those stories. But it came back to the fore and you look into it, like you've just said, and uh, so happy for the guy. You just never met him, but he seems like a really lovely young lad as well. Um, couldn't be happier for him. Lovely, lovely story. Yeah. And if you haven't um, read about Nick's story, um, there's plenty of articles on the internet, BBC, Guardian, they've all written and, and interviewed him specifically about his journey. So I'd really um, encourage you to, to, to have a look and, and read those stories where he talks about the pain that was released when he scored that goal. So on to the, the second goal for Crawley, came within two minutes, you're in. Ashley Nadison, our special man, scored it as well. Yeah, the homeboy. Um, I'm not sure... Um, whether the Leeds players were shell-shocked. To get one goal against the Premier League team, fantastic. To get two, great. To get two so quickly, something was sort of missing in their sort of mentality. Um, you'd imagine a Premier League team like that to come back and fight stronger and faster. But great interception, great through ball, great pace from Nadison as well. Um, the lovely bobble, lovely bit of work from Complete Turf Care, place like little bobble, well done, lads. But... Uh, on the goalkeeper, Kersia, not good, was he? No. I mean, it bobbled, but he didn't seem to have that near post covered anyway. Um, but not not the, not the best, most solid shot in the world. Lovely bobble, back of the net. Very, just so like Nick, so, so happy for, um, for Ashley, and especially his mum and his girlfriend on Twitter. <laughs> They're great to sort of uh, to watch as well. But uh, yeah, really happy for him. Local boy, um, obviously just coming back this season. And oh, sorry, last season. And uh, it was a great game. There's so many things about the game that just make me happy, though. With Nick's goal, Ashley's goal, Tunney as well. Great day for John Yems. Um, just fantastic all round. Yeah, Tina and Addison, Ashley's mum on Twitter, is always an absolute delight after uh, <laughs> Ashley does anything. She's so sweet, bless her, so sweet. Uh, amazing family. That's my boy, that's my boy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and talking about the goalkeeper, I feel like it's um, goalkeeping 101 to protect your near post. And well, that kind of led on to Jordan Tunnicliffe's goal around the 70th minute or so. Um, again, a really good shot by Ashley Nadson, Ewan, but poor goalkeeping again to give it to Jordan Tunnicliffe? I mean, yeah, you'd expect like parried away like that, but parried away towards the middle of your goal. It, Like you just said, it's, it's not what you'd expect from a former Real Madrid and Espanol goalkeeper. Um, it was a big move when he came to Leeds, um, when he arrived. And he's Glenn Morris. I'd rather have Glenn Morris in the goal than their goalkeeper every single day of the week. Glenn didn't have much to do yesterday, um, on Saturday, Sunday, of course. Um, but what he did do, he did do well. He had one save early in the game. God knows how that didn't go in. Um, <laughs> sort of half-megged off his back heel and banks past the right-hand post. No idea how that happened, but hey, um, we, we'll take it. But... Um, yeah, nothing to shout about from their goalkeeper whatsoever. 
but let's not take anything away from our players. 11 outstanding performances. Um, absolutely loved it. Three lovely goals. Great to see turning on the score sheet as well. He scored a few. Um, do you know what? Can't say enough good things. Really can't say enough good things. Like, I, you can't. There's not one thing that I can say, do you know what? That could have been a bit better. There was nothing whatsoever. Um, loved it. Loved every single minute of it. Yeah, like you say, we've just focused on 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 the attacking ability of, of Crawley here, but their defence as well really stood up to the the pressure that, particularly in the first half, that that Leeds put against them. Um, I think you summed it up nicely by saying Morris didn't really have too much to do by the fact that his uh, defenders really stopped the ball getting anywhere close to him. One final bit of attacking thing I do want to touch on, though, because a lot of the media um, coverage in, in the build-up to the match was around Max Watters, um, particularly special man for Crawley um, being signed this uh, past window in, in the summer, and uh, especially on a free two. Potential goal after rounding the keeper. There's been a lot of interest on him, he was uh, supposedly bringing a hamstring injury, which uh, is why he didn't start the game. A lot of people were hoping he would, but they brought him on. Was that more to do with keeping up the interest in him as we are in the January transfer window, or did they bring him on to actually add something to the game? Yeah, there's, there's natural speculation that he hadn't been playing because a deal had been done to sell him for X million pounds to whatever X club. But I think it is fairly genuine now. You can see that. Um, there, there probably has been a bit of an injury. Bringing him on, yes, definitely. National TV, however many million people watching, I haven't seen the TV figures, but to give him a bit of extra exposure. Um, if, I, if I'm being um, really selfish, maybe glad that he didn't score the goal, because he might stay a little bit longer. But if you're 3-0 up against a Premier League team, it just shows that the strength and depth in the squad that our top goal scorer is at 14 goals in 16 games or something silly um, and didn't need to bring him on until we were 3-0 up um, the game was sort of done so yeah bringing him on there there was any risk he wasn't going to be sort of running um, too hard and fast in order to chase balls and, and risk injury it was just a nice shop window maybe yeah to um, put him back out there and let's be honest should have been 4-0 I think <laughs> uh, should have just poked it with his left foot I think it was one one rushing uh, one defender rushing back that he maybe sort of um, stopped in doing that, but uh, no doubt he's a special special player. We'll we'll touch on the league season in the second half of this short podcast, but um, I, I would be amazed if he was still with us at the end of January, considering the the numbers that have been touted around his um, transfer fee. Yeah, I think if Crawley were obviously behind or, or still drawing at that point, that moment would have been pivotal in the game and we probably would be piling on a lot of, um, I suppose, dislike to Max Watters for missing that chance. But given we're 3-0 up, I, I think we'll forgive him on, on this occasion. One other point I wanted to, to touch on, debut moment for the Wright brothers, Ewan. I've heard a fair few fans just feeling this is a bit of a publicity stunt. Mark Wright, wise even at the club. Uh, and We know he played football back in his uh, youth times, but... You know, he's more of a TV personality. Are you a fan? What I did last night as a bit of research, I watched both episodes of the new documentary, short documentary on BBC, um, Mark Wright, The Last Chance. <clears throat> so the way I see it is, yes, it's there's no doubt whatsoever that there is an element of uh, marketing in this and getting a bit more attention on the club. There is also no doubt whatsoever that Mark Wright is a good footballer. You would, there is no way on this earth a manager, the quality and the integrity of John Yems 
would bring in Mark Wright and play him with no matter how many minutes left as a publicity stunt. I, I do not think he would do it. He would not put a single person on the pitch if they weren't didn't have the quality enough to at least shore up um, that position for a few minutes. If you watch the documentary, and I fully, fully advise it, there's going to be more episodes, of course, um, coming along. But the first two, first of all, what a genuinely nice guy Mark Rice is. Um, really lovely chap. Uh, seems to be getting on with the players and the manager from day one. It looks really, really great. Um, and if you look at his history, which, where was he released from? I always couldn't remember. Was it Tottenham and West Ham? And it was Tottenham, the, the big one where he got released from, wasn't it? Because um, I think he was a bit of a lad and went on holiday, put on some weight and came back, got released. Went down to League One, didn't like it, gave up, became a celebrity somehow. So there's no doubt whatsoever, you don't even get a part of Tottenham or, or South End without, without playing some sort of half-decent football. So to say it's a publicity, a total publicity stunt would be completely inaccurate. He is a good footballer. Of course, he hasn't played for 10 years seriously, apart from the celebrity matches at Wembley and things. Um, so he's putting the effort back in. It is a, it is a story. Um, I don't think he's going to be playing 35 games for Crawley next season, but it is a great story. And I think anybody that is going to um, negatively look at this as a publicity stunt is not looking at it in the right way. Any publicity is great publicity. And this is fantastic publicity for the football club, let alone the FA Cup run and the Leeds win. Just having him there and having on for a few minutes, whether that happened against Leeds whether it happened against Forest Green, it would have been a story. More people looking at the club, more people on the Twitter feed, more people on YouTube, uh, maybe more sales, um, et cetera, et cetera. All sort of snowball effect. So I think it is an absolutely genius move to get him in. First of all, training. That was enough to get a bit of a story. To bring him on against a Premier League team in the last three minutes when you're 3-0 up in the FA Cup was some of the best trolling I've ever seen in my entire life. It um, really made me chuckle how um, the newspapers decided to go with, with the story that he made his debut rather yeah. than the fact that Crawley won 3-0 against the Premier League side. I think that maybe in places like The Sun and The Daily Star and those <laughs> toilet roll papers, they sort of focused on that. I think people were a bit concerned that it would have completely overshadowed the win. But that did not happen, not at all. If you look at the BBC feeds and any other news feeds, if there's 10 stories on Crawley, eight of them are about the winning tour about Mark Wright. But uh, that, that both these stories, the FA Cup run and the Mark Wright story, will continue and continue, and they'll continue to bring people to look at Crawley. Um, and for me, it, it is 100% a fantastic move and a good thing for the club. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if you haven't checked out that interview that Ewan mentioned, it's on the BBCI player um, I believe there's more episodes um, being added on there as well. And um, also on the publicity um, area with Mark Wright, the likes of John Terry and such have been have been uh, casting their eyes on the, on the club now as well because obviously Mark's got good sort of friendships with those kind of um, higher profile um, football stars as well. So yeah, it's, it's casting eyes from all over the, the footballing community. What about Josh Wright, his brother, who's also been signed? Yeah, I mean, clearly Josh Wright is a professional footballer. Um, a lot of time in the game. Yeah, and he, he came to us on loan for about four or five games a couple of years He did, ago. back I, in 2014. Yeah, was it that long ago? Wow. Um, and top goal scorer at Leighton Orient last season? 
I, I can't say that, but he scored nine you know goals what? for Leighton Orient last season. <laughs> I'll be I'll be perfectly honest. I've not done as much research for this one as I usually do. I've been trying to work three jobs at the same time. Um, but I think I got that from the, the news yesterday. Um, so, yeah, I think it could be a, a, he is a genuine, potentially sort of 30 plus games a season. Um, at, I'm going to say actual footballer, which maybe is a bit unfair on Mark, right? But just touching on Mark again. When he played a couple of games for the World Eleven at Wembley, you know, the celebrity games, one of the biggest bits of credit you can give him is maybe it was a bit in the moment, but after one of the games where he scored that great for a kick at Wembley, both Jose Mourinho and Sam Allardyce both said they'd give him a trial, which you, you can't say much more than that. And maybe that was just sort of celebrity in the moment, being nice with the cameras, et cetera, et cetera. But um that that that's uh, for him must be a lovely thing for, for those managers to, to hear him say that. I did see a comment on social media the other day um, about that um, kind of um, game where uh, they were asking now would he be classed as a celebrity or a pro? <laughs> Ooh. Because you know it's the it's the celebrities versus the pros in those charity games. So which side would yeah, he fall on? That's true. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, who knows? We'll fight. I'm sure he'll be playing in a few more. Yes, very much so. My favourite moment from the, the match, though, um, moving slightly forward, was when, I think it was after Ashley Nadison's second goal, where the, the TV cameras um, cut <laughs> straight to John Yams and he was sipping his tea. I thought that was very meme of the BBC to, to, yeah. to cut there. <laughs> and you know what? That, that, that image has been used in several places as well. I've no doubt that will be sort of memeified to some extent, especially by our fan base. Um, I think I saw somebody saying it's, um, all right, uh, my child, do you want a bovril? was uh, one of the comments I heard with that photo. But, uh, <laughs> lovely scenes, lots of lovely scenes that will will last for a very long time. And that that is a really nice one, yeah. Another one I like is, uh, although there's no fans, Ashley Addison sort of turning towards the, the stands. Uh, to be fair, there was quite a lot of people in the stands. There's a lot of media there. Maybe maybe too much, who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, lots of lovely photos. Yeah, very much so. I think Sergio Torres was there, obviously, for, for talk of the town. And there was some media from Argentina too there. So very much world coverage of, of the game. Now, listen, it was a big thing for not only the club, but also the town. Headlines in pretty much every national newspaper, countless reports, not only on the match itself, but also like we touched upon the subplots surrounding the game, such as Nick Cerula and his rise, um, which we've, of course, mentioned. Um, but also a really great time for the people of Crawley, especially given um, a lot of people losing their jobs during this um, pandemic, um, with a lot of people relying on, on, on Gatwick Airport as well for, for, for um, giving them their employment. So, yeah, just generally, I think a, a great time really needed for, for the people of Crawley, let alone the, the club Crawley Town as well. Um, and and if, I, if I can add to that as well, what, what I couldn't be happier about, I was commercial manager at the club in charge of all the sponsorship for, for six, seven seasons. And uh, a lot of those sponsors are still there today and really big sponsors and, and Joe's looking after them fantastically well and bringing on new ones as well. But for me personally, to see, obviously we had the, the LED boards around the pitch and to see the likes of KRL, Innovation Fire and Security, People's Pension, Structured Communications, those guys that have been with the club so long and put money in season after season through generally low times bottom half of league two for the last five years in a row for them to finally get some really nice national exposure and i could not have been happier for, for those sponsors that there were unfortunately for me a couple of bittersweet moments 
just after the game. You, you may recall about seven or eight years ago that Bruce and myself, Bruce Tolbert, former media manager, alongside myself, put out a really good tweet about Ronaldo, Bale and Messi uh, potentially joining the club in a transfer window. And at the time, uh, that got national and international news. I think it got up to about 15,000, 20,000 retweets. And it was the best club in terms of sort of engagement ever by the club. Sadly, but congratulations to the club put out two tweets on Sunday. One of them is currently over 50,000 retweets and another is over 30,000. So the record has been utterly, utterly destroyed. And it was a fantastic tweet. What were the it, tweets? Uh, the first one was after the win, it said, um, Reds 3, Leeds nil. we are massive. And got about 50,000 retweets. And another one was, uh, it was, oh, it was the a Leeds United sort of fan podcast thing put out a message on Saturday saying, um, <laughs> it should be an easy route to the fourth round, most professional 4-0 win will go down well. And we, the club, retweeted that just with a meme um, of like a grin, and that got over 30,000 retweets. Well. <laughs> I think, so, did they retract their tweet in the end? No, I think, I think they sort of, they enjoyed the exposure as well. But congratulations to the media team. Um, Sam and Tom, you've absolutely smashed the record, can't deny it. Got it, but very, very happy. Well, they were great, great tweets. And on the note of um, sponsorship, I believe Joe Compert is currently looking for a sleeve sponsor for the fourth round tie against Bournemouth. Um, so if you're someone who has some money to sponsor and wants that exposure, get in touch with the club. I think you can email Joe directly, joecomperatcrawleytownfc.com, if I remember right. Yeah, sounds about, yeah, no dots, that's about right, yeah. Um, and if you do get in touch with Joe after hearing this podcast, if you quote straight red, <laughs> we might get 5%, you never know. And, and you'll get a 50% discount on the sponsorship deal. <laughs> <laughs> Um, can I, one, one last thing before we move on to the fourth and fifth round. One thing that always, always makes me laugh, and you can see it coming a mile off, is um, our mate Dan Walker popping up um, any anytime there's a good cup run. Um, you know, it, it was like signposted. As soon as we got leads in the, in the third round, it was signposted. And lo and behold, about two days before the game, once again, Dan Walker's taking himself as a big Crawley Town fan. And as soon as we're out of the cup, I'm sure um, there will be no mention of Crawley once again for at least three years. I don't think the at, at the time of recording this podcast that the TV um, fixtures have been announced yet. But I don't know whether it's widely known, but Dan doesn't work on, on Sundays for religious reasons, which I presume, which is why he didn't host the, the, the BBC's coverage of our game as it was on a Sunday. However, if, if this round, uh, the, the next fourth round is chosen for TV and especially BBC coverage... I wonder whether he'll get it if it's a, a Saturday or a, or a kind of Monday. Do you know what? I think the way it's been going, as it's only, what, there's 16 games in the fourth round and there's no fans allowed, the BBC have been great in this. Sound, do you know what, this podcast sounds like a BBC sort of a brown-nosing exercise. <laughs> I, I, I haven't paid you, Ewan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if it's not on live TV, almost everything has been streamed nowadays, isn't it? I think... I think almost almost every game was available to watch um, in the last round, all, all the good ones anyway. So I, I imagine in the fourth round, if it's not on live TV, and seeing as you've got Cheltenham, Man City and Man United, Liverpool, I think it's probably in the second half of, um, of, of good games. Of course, the, 
the um, the excitement is. It's like a John Yems derby. Um, I don't imagine it'll be on live TV, but hopefully there is some sort of, some sort of coverage. And if he's involved in that, then do you know what? Joking aside, it's great because it's it's another it's another celebrity um, with a lot of followers talking about Crawley, which is always helpful. And Dan, if you ever are listening um, in in the small <laughs> hope, we love you. So we'd love to get you on the podcast and have a chat <laughs> if if you are listening. But we've mentioned it enough now. The fourth and fifth round. Shall we move on to the draw and and, and talking about that? Number seven. Number seven is AFC Bournemouth, currently third in the championship. And a home tie at the Vitality for them against... Number 19. Number 19, Crawley Town from League Two. So, Bournemouth in the fourth round. They're currently third in the championship. And then, of course, the fifth round draw took place shortly after that fourth round draw. And we, if we get past Bournemouth, we'll face Fulham or Burnley in the fifth round and both of them are just in or around the relegation zone in the Premier League. Your initial reaction, Ewan, when you saw the draw? Devastated. Absolutely gutted. Especially when Chelsea first got Man City and then we get Bournemouth. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie, when it came out, there was an expletive in front of my telly <laughs> and I, I, I was so gutted, I barely watched the rest of the fourth round draw but as it was going on and I was trying to look for positives and I thought, oh, hang on a second... John Yems of Bournemouth, there's a, there's a bit of a story there. I don't think anybody outside John Yems or Crawley or Bournemouth will, will care. So that factor is not going to encourage TV audiences or, or TV companies to, to, to um, sort of give it any more exposure. But it, it, it gives a bit of uh, more excitement about the game, possibly. Again, it's Championship, ex-Premier League. No doubt whatsoever, we would have preferred either a top six or... I mean, we're probably one of the, we are fourth or fifth lowest ranked team still in the competition, maybe even less than that. So it was unlikely we can get a team less than us. So yes, I prefer Bournemouth to another League Two or League One team. Um, but it, it was quite deflating after all that excitement, that fantastic win to pull out Bournemouth. And they'll feel exactly the same, I imagine. It's not it's not that great. They're probably a bit more expecting themselves to go to, through to the fifth round than we are. So that was disappointing. And then... Fifth round, right, right, here we go. Fifth round. If we get past Bournemouth, who we got? And it's it's no better, really, is it? <laughs> Bottom half of Premier League. Um, it's all it's all the same or one of the other. Um so really, really gutted. But I think genuinely we've got a chance against Bournemouth. I really, really do. And I'd even go as far as saying if we can beat Leeds, why can't we beat Fulham and Burnley as well? So um, it, do you know what? It might sound ridiculous, but I'm thinking quarterfinals here. Quarterfinals. <laughs> well, when I initially saw the draw as well, I, I too thought it was a pretty bland draw. I was hoping, my, I mean, my personal preference was a smaller club and then a bigger club in, in round five like United. Maybe repeat what happened 10 years ago this uh, this season and maybe write what we couldn't have done 10 years ago this this time round. But upon further reflection... With Bournemouth being currently third in the championship at time of recording this, they're probably chasing promotion, I'd imagine, as their main priority. Will they side a slightly weakened team with their sights slightly off the cup? But also, more importantly, I think there's a lot in this John Yems kind of story. So if, if you don't know, John Yems was part of the management team at Bournemouth for a long time um, alongside 
Eddie um, and and helps them move all the way up to the, the the Premier League, I believe. But I think the the bit in it that is um, so sort of poignant is is the way that it ended. The but Bournemouth released Yems, and it was kind of a, a be- bitter moment for him because he had poured so much into the club, but he got such a small payout, and and the way it was done was not very nice. And I believe um, that he mentioned in an interview that he went into um, quite a depression after being released too and it took him a really long time to get back into the motivation for being in the game and, and kind of trusting that um, what he was doing was worthwhile and that he was doing good things he'll certainly want to prove a point won't he with that fixture yeah do you know hearing that there'll be nobody more motivated to win the game than John Yams uh, I think what we've learned he is a, like a, a, a people motivator he can certainly get the team going so yeah on a, on a, on a level for him and really for the club, it is like the John Yems derby. It's also a bit of a Matt Tubbs derby. Um, if you want to really drag sort of... Um, <laughs> and he's, he's, already, he's already been on Twitter as well saying he's looking forward to that game. And talk of the town, the, um, the, the pre-match show that the club put on, which again, I can't say enough good things about it. You've got to watch that if you haven't already on YouTube before games. Um, if they had Sergio on for the Leeds game, to get Matt Tubbs as a co-presenter on talk of the town for the the Crawley Bournemouth game again that's just another bit of interest as well I think that would be really nice to watch yeah 100% just briefly touching on on a poll that we put out yesterday asking for your thoughts on who you would like to see in in the fourth round draw um 49% of uh of you who voted um went for one of the Premier League's big six and the the second sort of most voted for answer was a lower ranked side at 32% so more people were hoping for for that big six side, um, and then second up was a lower ranked side. Unfortunately, we got neither of those. We got a um, a pretty good championship side. Yeah, we we got what everybody really didn't want, did we? Um, but there you go. It, it genuinely, I think we've got a chance in both of those games. If we get past Bournemouth, which I think we've got a percentage chance of, you just said that they, they there's a chance they'll play a weakened squad. Let's fingers crossed, hope they do. Um, there's no guarantee of that, but uh, fifth round as well, Fulham Burnley, I, I treat them both the same. I think we can genuinely beat them both. Um, so, again, on reflection, now I've had a, a sort of a day and a half to think about it, quite looking forward to them. Yeah, and being a financial man, Ewan, Alex Burke um, posted a question asking, um, he says it might be a silly question, but without fans, would the club get more from a live TV game versus, say, Man City? or from prize money in getting to the fifth round? Do you reckon? Do you know what? For the third round, if you lost in the third round, it was 20 grand. If you won in the third round, it was, I think it was 62,000 pounds. So we obviously got the the biggest portion of that. I am fairly sure that for being live on BBC, the fee is about 85,000 pounds that we got. So we had a great day on Sunday. I don't think the fees go up the further through the rounds you go because there's only a certain number of live games. So we're not going to get a TV fee for the because um, that goes to the home team for the for the for the fourth round. The winning fee, I'm guessing, the winning fourth round must be in the region of about 100 grand or so, and losing must be about 35 ish. Do you um, still get a losing fee from the fourth round onwards? I I thought I heard somewhere that maybe that 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 disappears. Oh, I- I don't know that it might have changed. I remember I always used to get the FA Cup sponsorship book at the, on the first round. It was always really interesting going through and seeing what the what the price money was for each round. But yeah, I, it was a long time ago, so very likely could have changed. Yeah. 
Um, and I mean, one of the last things we'll mention on um, this FA Cup win is the exposure that um, all the fans have been getting as well, not just the club, but I mean, you personally, Jonathan, you are famous now. I've been really busy. As it happens, whenever the club do well, and because we are like the, the I'm going to say the official fans podcast, let's say, we do always get people get in touch like ITV, BBC, Meridian, Five Live, etc. Always want our opinion, as well as the likes of um, the, the the CTSA and Carol Bates gets everywhere, of course. And there, there's always a, like the go-to people. So we had, we had quite a lot of contact over the last few days. So Jonathan, I think in the last 24 hours, you've been on BBC Five Live, ITV Meridian, BBC Southwest, Southeast um, on BBC. Six radio oh yes I think you've been all over the place I have indeed it did um yeah it did feel quite surreal it was really really cool talking to to so many different um outlets uh, about the Reds performance and and really nice to kind of convey another fan and opinion especially uh, with the privileged position that we're in as being a podcast that we get to hear all of your thoughts and and hopefully I managed to convey some of those thoughts across but um yeah it was it was a really kind of surreal day uh, and really get a great opportunity um given the, the club's performance also i noticed um some other fans did get onto bbc outlets as well aiden quinlan got onto um a phone in uh with with robbie savage on five live i thought he did very well to eloquently explain his situation and defend Crawley's position and did yeah. extremely well to not berate Robbie Savage for 10 years ago when he I, lost to I us. Couldn't, I couldn't believe it. He didn't bring it up. Maybe it was brought up at another point, but God, that would be the first thing I've said because there's a great photo of um, Sergio absolutely reigned in Robbie Savage on the floor. <laughs> it's in the corridor at the club, actually. Um, I did find it quite funny. Aidan was great. Like you said, spoke very well and uh, everything he said was, was spot on. But um, if you watch the the footage of the interview, it's actually like Robbie Savage getting him to to wind it up to the producer, wind it up, wind it up. But uh, Aiden didn't wasn't sort of overcome by that. He did uh, did really well. So um, we always try and represent the the club as best we can wherever we're exposed to, and other fans are clearly doing that as well. And just a final point I want to give somebody else that um, I always think represents the club incredibly well. If you're watching. Um, I think it was before the game. No, it was a half time actually. The interview Erdem did on um, BBC Erdem Konya. Um, the way he speaks, the way he talks about the club, his genuine openness and honesty about our philosophy. And we are a, you know, essentially a, a selling club. That's what we do. We get players in on freeze and we try and get um, transfer fees directly or through salon clauses. Um, I think Odom did a lot for the club yesterday. He, he spoke really well, um, and honestly, and uh, I think it, it's a big thank you for him. And Zaya Aaron put a put a note out afterwards to say, uh, "Well done to all the fans on your support through lockdown." Um, I think it's just worth saying that how grateful we are as a fan base. I'm talking from everybody here to um, to Zaya and Odom and the owners and uh, all their hard work they've put over the last few years, like the like the sponsors. To get some fruition now must be so, such a wonderful feeling and gratifying that the effort's worth it. Yeah, I completely agree. And on the note of Erdogan Konya, the man who has a lot of influence over some of the transfers that come in, um, shall we move on to talk about the transfer window as it is January? I, I completely forget that we're in the middle of a transfer window, but we are. Yeah, totally. I've got, you know what, I've, I've, other than sort of Mark and Josh Wright, I've, 
haven't got anything to say. The, the other the story is Max Watters potentially leaving. That's going to be the big one that we're going to sort of be counting down the days to the end of January. I think if we can get, I've seen numbers of like one, two million. You can't turn that down. You know, we're in a pandemic, got no gate receipts. Um, I don't think there's much funding coming from the government or, or the FA. I know there is. there was a package done with the Premier League, wasn't there, with the Football League. But what our portion of that is, we don't know. Because again, Odom said very openly in that interview at the half time on Sunday that we are the 91st ranked team in the Football League in terms of sort of like gate receipts, which is frightening when you think about that because money's got to come from somewhere else. So if you can get a couple of million for Max, you say, thanks for all your hard work. Give us the cash, please. And, uh, and wish him well on his way. And there's no doubt whatsoever he's going to be playing at a higher level than League Two, wherever he goes next. I feel like you've answered my question already, but here's a little snippet from uh, from a Welsh newspaper in relation to Max Watters. This is a quote from uh, from an Erdem Konya interview with them. He was saying, if they rang me today, uh, I'd quote him £2 million. Um, previously, he stated he would have demanded £1 million prior to the Leeds match. And then Erdem goes on to say, for me, he's the most valuable striker in England. The fact he's 21 uh, won't matter, uh, therefore won't matter for the squad registration and the salary cap makes him more valuable. But there is a strong interest and from abroad as well. So that was interest from Swansea City, um, for sure. There's also, like Erdem mentions, a lot of interest from abroad and, and other clubs as well. Two million pounds, would you sell Max Watters? You'd sell it for two million pounds. Uh, if you can get a sell-on clause in there as well, so his next transfer you get 10% of. Because if he goes for £2 million and does well at a championship side, for example, and they sell him on for 10 15 etc., etc., you know what, that, that's maybe pie-in-the-sky thinking, but it can happen. Look at um, like Sir Jamie Vardy and people like he that. He has been likened to Jamie Vardy. Yeah, I can understand why. Um, oh, you absolutely 100% cash in, because if there's one thing we learn on Sunday, and there was a lots of things. Without Max in the squad, we were three 0 up against Leeds. And what what do you say with the likes of Nichols, Nadison, even Sarula? Maybe after his um, notable performance in such a high profile match, would you likely take the, if if the right money came in for those players as well? Because then that is a lot of our sort of more high profile, influential players gone. Or would you risk um, keeping them for the rest of this season? Potentially see Crawley get promoted, go further in the FA Cup, increase their value and sell them at the end of the season. But also then there's a risk of them maybe performing badly, cruelly not getting promoted, going down in value. I wouldn't I wouldn't risk letting anybody more than Max go. If you can get the money for Max, then every transfer fee or every transfer is depending on how much money you can get. If you can get two million for Max, I keep, we keep saying that number, it might be more or less than that, um, then I think you've done your business. And let's concentrate on the FA Cup, concentrate on the league, get in the playoff places, go to Wembley, um, make all these dreams come true. I think it's very unlikely that the likes of Sarula and Nichols and then these players are going to devalue themselves um, over the next few months. If anything, between now and May, I can only see how they can increase their value. And then in the summer, you maybe sell one more, etc., etc. And you know what? I haven't seen the books. I don't know what our finances look like. I can only imagine they're pretty poor at the moment. We're very lucky to have an owner like Zaire who will keep pumping money in and sort of um, keeping the place afloat. But uh, certainly, cash in on Max, keep everybody else, get to the end of the season, enjoy what we've got going on and then reassess and um, 
if it looks like at the, by the end of this season we're going to have fans and things in the, in the stadium, then it, it puts a different spin on things. Um, but you just got to play it by ear. One thing as well, just going back to the fourth and fifth rounds, um, at the moment, we don't even know if they're going to go ahead, let's be perfectly honest. There's so many stories about now, based on the celebrations that were Crawley were guilty of it, the celebrations in the changing room, celebrations on the pitch at some games. There's a lot of footage that are going around. People are disappointed that, you know, even though they're all getting tested, um, to have 20 players or 30 players and staff in a sweaty dressing room, um, sort of uh, potentially spreading one person's virus. Who knows? Um, I think at some point, unfortunately, football might come to a stop again. Yeah, with with the constant rising cases of, of the virus that we see hitting the headlines every day, there has been a lot of calls from people saying that um, you know sport is not a necessity. If if you go down to the hard lines of what what is a necessity and what isn't, if you compare them, you know, against you know the NHS being a necessity to save people's lives. I mean, obviously, people uh, will argue and can argue for the fact that sport, um, you know, gives us something to look towards and it gives us something to distract ourselves. And you know, it's just like any other form of entertainment. Um, but I suppose a line's got to be drawn somewhere, hasn't it? And um, that that's a, a decision for someone who's paid a lot more money than I am, unfortunately. And do you know what? It, it, it's potentially another reason to sell Max quickly because if the if the league is stopped and nobody plays for four weeks and he doesn't play for four weeks, I don't know what that does to his value. If somebody's offering you money now based on the quality he's got now and his first is sort of like a, these last 16 games, um, yeah, again, to close out that, that question, cash in, keep everybody else, keep this great sort of um, form and experience going. And you, you can't really fault Erdem's uh, ability and, and all of the other staff who play a role in finding these great quality players. Um, a couple of years ago, there was maybe quite a lot of questions from us as a fan base as to whether this was the right model going forward. But to be fair to him, um, he's really pulled through with the philosophy that he's wanted to do. So yeah, another congratulations to Erdem and the team who who have who've pumped this philosophy in and really built a what seems to be a, an ever growing um, strength of of a, of a football club. So moving now on to the season in general, you and what's happened, what will happen going into the future. Shall we just have a little chat about where the Reds are at and um, maybe your your hopes for where Crawley might finish this season? Yeah, so this is essentially an FA Cup podcast, but we can't do it without sort of touching the league because we haven't spoken to you for a little while or it's been a couple of months since the last one. So I'm not going to go into the entire season. What I'm going to do, just look, since the last podcast, um, it wasn't far away from the the November games where we lost two games in a row to Carlisle, which you can understand because they were top of the league at the time. Then 24th of November, you lose two and at home to Grimsley or in the relegation places. And at that point, you're thinking... Mid-table, bottom half of League Two again, six years in a row. And it's all sort of same old, same old. But then, then, my goodness me, nine games unbeaten in League and Cup, seven league games in December, one, three, drawn four, three away wins on the trot, if you include December and January. That is unheard of. I remember when we went almost a calendar year without winning an away game. Now we've won three in a row. If you said to me 10 years ago, um, oh, three of your next four games are going to be Bolton, Leeds and Bournemouth, and you're going to win the first two and not know yet about the third one, you'd think you're in absolute dreamland. Um, it, it, for me, the situation at the moment 
is the most optimistic I felt, regardless of the FA Cup, league-wise, the most optimistic I felt in probably four or five years at least, I'd say. Um, and that's that's talking about sort of 20 games into a season. Sometimes you can play six games and you know, I think two or three years ago we were top of the league after about three games at half time and you sort of get carried away with yourself. But we are 20 plus games into a season now. We've set a standard um, that we can look at and say, yeah, do you know what? We are a good team now, currently sitting sixth in the league. Let's not Let's not sort of deny there are teams around us with two or three games in hand. Sixth at the moment is probably more realistically seventh or eighth, especially um, Exeter in tenth. Only three points behind us, but got three games in hand. So we are sort of clinging on to the playoff places at the moment. But everything absolutely from the last 10 games going in 100% the right direction. Really, really exciting two months. And I don't see why... It can't continue. We've clearly had our best, the best Christmas period I've, I think I've ever seen in my sort of 10, 11 years supporting the club. We always seem to falter around about Christmas time, it feels. But um, I mean, seven games in December, didn't lose a single one. Three away wins on the trot, nine unbeaten. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Is this the, the season to do it? Given the fact that we've got a lot of attention on some of our high-profile players, the position we're currently in, is this the season to really push for that promotion into League One? Uh, are we going to lose it after this? Are we going to be back down to sort of bottom mid-table come next season if we miss this opportunity? We've had some really tough games recently, OK? And coming up is the exciting bit. So we're playing away at Bradford on the ninth. Um, they are 19th in the table. Then we're at home to Stevenage. 22nd in the table, then home to Walsall, 11th in the table. So we're not playing like a top six, seven team for the next month or so. Um, it's not until we play away at Cambridge on the 30th of January where we play a top three team. They're currently third. So by the time by the time we play Cambridge, we could have sort of solidified. I mean, it's a little bit unrealistic at the moment that sixth place, but we could have solidified sitting around about third, fourth, fifth in the table. So next couple of games, huge, 19th and 22nd in the table are next two league games. Then there's sort of the sideshow against Bournemouth. Again, that could pick us up again as well. Um, and then Walsall, currently 11th. Brilliant, potentially a brilliant month coming up in January, could easily pick up, of those four league games, could easily pick up nine points. And that, that puts you right up there, properly up there. And of course, every game um, in, in the league, especially at this stage of the season, is going to be classed as important. But especially those games against the likes of Cambridge, who are up there at the moment, it's really important to take points off of those teams that are going to be in and around you up in that zone to really propel yourself above them. Because at the moment, like you say, there's um, a lot of teams within a couple of points of all of those places. It's going to be hard to really know whether we have a good chance of, uh, of getting a promotion place uh, until those uh, kind of spaces begin to, to space themselves out. Yeah, but th for me, those two games on the 16th and the 19th of January, Bradford and Stevenage, 19th and 22nd of the league, um, if you can get six points from those two, then, then you're away and you're flying properly. Well, listen, Ewan, it's been great talking to you again, doing another podcast. It's been a really long time. I know we said this last time, but um, with games coming thick and fast, especially with the fourth round being played um, between the weekend of the 23rd to 25th of January, exact tie date for Crawley still to be confirmed as of uh, recording this podcast. That's the weekend after next. There will be another podcast out, I'm sure, uh, in, in the very near future talking about that. 
Obviously, this has been an FA Cup special, so we're focused more on that uh, amazing win against Leeds. But I'm sure we'll be back to more of the, the league coverage uh, and, and having a deeper look into what you mentioned about whether this could be the season that Crawley get promotion into League One. One final thing to mention, though, before we do go, the club recently um, promoted um, this thing called a Second Chance Academy. It's part of the Crawley Town Academy that's being run. Um, it's for 16 to 18 year olds, but they're just really promoting that there's a virtual trial registration open. And I'm really just kind of mentioning this because I suppose with the, the fantastic performance that Crawley put in against Leeds, with the story of Nick Cerula and, and his journey up, there must be youngsters that are inspired by this. So if you're between the ages of 16 to 18 and fancy um, a, a career in football uh, as, as, your, as your way forward in life, then if you go to academyse.co.uk forward slash apply, or go onto the Crawley Town social media accounts. I'm sure you'll find the stuff there. You can uh, you can register your interest, and maybe you'll be a future star of the club. Who knows? I, I know a few players that are currently in the first team squad and training with them have come through that academy scheme. So it does work. Is there is there an age limit on that? Can I have a go? Sixteen to eighteen, you're in. Are you are oh, you an eighteen year old still? <laughs> I've been I've been eighteen twice, mate. Thirty six this year. <laughs> eighteen at heart. That's all that matters, isn't it? Well, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. As always, do leave your thoughts and comments uh, on Twitter or on, on SoundCloud for us to, to read and digest. We love hearing back from you about your thoughts, your opinions, how you, how you thought we discussed things. That's all great stuff to hear and, and to keep the conversation going. But from you and myself, thanks so much for listening. We'll speak to you again in the near future. And now I'll allow you to enjoy the dulcet tones of Mike Dobie to play us out. Bye-bye. So let's hear the sound in the front rooms all around our Crawley town. Our day is here as the red devils, they lift our spirits clear. It's on to the next round. Bang, bang, the mighty fall at our home ground. The only way Wembley It's our cathedral frenzy And the only way is Wembley It's our cathedral frenzy So now a decade's past Since the quality grew so fast We run so free Into a different league Red Devils, we believe we're one for all First we won, then two Then we won the third To march and create some history The only way is when It's our coffee, the frenzy
Red Devils.